Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode... I don't even know. It's it's a whole hell of a lot. We were at 42. I think we're at 43, 44. 44. Episode 44. Woo! That's... That's that's impressive, and as you can hear, we have a guest tonight. It's the one, it's the only, it's Sean Sutter, Metal King Studios. Hey, everyone, it's Sean Sutter, your best friend and creator of Relic Blade. Yay, Relic Blade. We love it. Actually, I've got pigs in front of me that I've got to prime soon. i got to get up off my ass and buy a set. That's the first thing i got to do. And you do, and it's available at your local friendly game store. It is. <laughs> at least, yeah, at least your local friendly game store. Well, um, all right, all right. It's, all right. it's also I, available at your friendly local computer, where you can order it from. <laughs> and yes, you can you can order the original set from Sean at metal or reliclay dot com. Yep, that's right. Yes. Nice. So obviously, yes. There's the original Reliclay Adventure Battle Game that we talked about. Quite a few episodes ago, but uh, you actually just finished a Kickstarter on an expand. Well, is it so? Let me get this straight. It's it's a, it's its own standalone, but it's also kind of an expansion for Relic Blade. Yeah, I mean, it Relic Blade is um, is a skirmish game, and even though the first product that I put out was a box set, um, it's more. It, it's not a it's not a board game. It's not like a big box board game, right? Um, it's it's totally more like Warhammer or whatever, where you uh, collect your warband and battle and everything. So, um, so the expansions that I uh, was able to do through this latest Kickstarter were like faction packs, and so I introduced new factions, but they aren't really factions like in other games because because um, you can it's like good guys versus bad guys in a lot of ways. So uh, if you have the pigs or the pig men that are like the original bad guy group, you can hire any other bad guy characters to work with them. And then same with the heroes. There are new heroes. But uh, the new factions, um, while they work with any of the existing good or bad guys accordingly, uh, they are new groups and are thematically grouped. So... um, yeah, through this Kickstarter, I was able to do uh, two expansions and then a third guest artist expansion. So that was really fun as well. Yes. Yes, it is. So the first expansion would be uh, Bone in Darkness. Yeah, that's right. Which expands upon your uh, Dark Watcher, which is a cool yeah. model. Yeah, yeah. So in the uh, end of the uh, first Kickstarter, I was able to... Um, Unlock as a stretch goal one of the like wave two characters, and that was the Dark Wanderer slash Dark Watcher, and he's like a skull faced villain. He was the first um, evil champion character rather than more of a henchman or warrior, uh, and and so uh, he has been out since or for the Kickstarter backers uh, since the Kickstarter first Kickstarter launched and arrived in like June. I, in fact. Um, I was looking at it. Last time we talked was late June, and you unboxed your uh, Relic Blade set. I did. It was awesome. So, yeah, since then, the Kickstarter backers have had the Dark Wanderer, and then with this expansion faction pack, 
Um, he's getting all of his upgrade cards and then also some allies that are in theme with him, which are bone stalkers. They're like mutated bone creatures um, that he creates and, and they are his thrall. And then also a large bone construct made out of like a bunch of different corpses sort of uh, lashed together and held together with dark magic. So um, yeah, that's the first faction set. And it's a ton of fun. Um, and the second one is a, a good guy faction called the Lone Guard. And that is a ranger, a uh, fighter, and uh, two companions that go with them. And so uh, it's it's a lot of fun. The, the ranger adds a, more of a ranged element to the game. And also really good um, upgrades that even make the um, ranged version of the Dark Wanderer uh, even way better. Um, and then the companions are a lot of fun. You just, they're cheap, like, uh, assistants that you can attach to another hero, and uh, it adds a new way to play and a new way to activate your characters, so that's uh, really exciting as well. He's totally not touching on the most important part about the companions. <laughs> What's that? And that is the epic mustache that, that the Billman has. fucking mustache on the Billman. Oh, yeah, dude. I, uh, I was oh. researching armor, and, um, and so he's got a bassinet and an aventail. So his bassinet doesn't have a visor on it, because I figure um, as a Billman, he's, he's not as wealthy as, like, a, a noble knight or anything. So no visor. He's just got his, like, bassinet helm and then a chainmail aventail and i was looking at pictures and videos of people with a uh, chainmail aventail and anyone with a beard or mustache like the way the aventail just like tucks up in there makes a mustache look really big and so it, it had to happen like a gigantic miyazaki style oh it's just it's glorious i mean and it's what you would expect with a character like that you know he's he's the billman he's just that gruffy you know almost sergeant type character persona and and that mustache just it makes it it's yeah, uh, it's yeah just, I, I love the way that sculpt turned out i'm really pleased with it and um and i, I definitely I agree the giant mustache sells that character and he's got um like cheese and bread hanging from his belt and stuff so i i assume that like snacks are his highest priority in life his giant mustache that always has crumbs in it <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's he's a soldier. He he definitely knows that if you don't bring the food with you, you might not get to eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's his his veteran tactic is he remembers to eat before going on a campaign. Yeah, and yeah. To be honest with you, the first time that I saw the metal sculpt online, that was the first thing I noticed about that guy. I was like, oh, it's a billman. And I saw that mustache and I was like, okay, all of the character is now there. Yeah, one hundred percent of that guy's character is in his mustache. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it was. It just looks like a dude. Yeah, and and, you know, like I've talked about it before, but I love like basic troopers trying to deal with magical things, and so he's the epitome of that. But the giant mustache definitely adds a layer of like, I don't, I don't know, extra character, extra, extra characterful. I love it. Yeah, it does. Oh man, it's it is it is awesome. And then uh, the other the other companion is a um, well, it looks a lot like a um, prehistoric 
cat that's now gone and has big teeth. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a saber tooth cat. There, there we um, go. Totally yeah. dropped the name for a second. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, so the ranger can have the uh, a saber tooth cat as his companion, and then it's a nature companion, so it will also work for the druid. So um, you can you can field it on those two characters presently, and uh, it's a lot of fun. He, he's it's handy to have. Uh, an animal helping you out in a fight, but probably one of the best things is it has a bind on one of its abilities, so it can run up and bind a target, and then the ranger has an ability that makes it so that it does extra damage to characters that are bound, so you can get some pretty good synergy and really hit super hard if you plan it right. Right. I was going to say, like, uh, from the the, the few times that Nick and I have played, like, I played the bad guys, and... Uh. Like, the pigs, you know, they kind of get slaughtered into a dude. But then, like, when I play the Dark Wanderer and the Dark Watcher, I murder things. Oh, yeah, he can really wreck stuff, especially with that maul. Uh, It's a pretty brutal weapon. And he's got some new upgrades that make him, like, way more terrifying. I was going to say, so, like, if if the Sabertooth Cat can actually, like, latch on and, like, give the Rangers bonuses to kill those guys, even better. Yeah. So... Oh yeah, because it definitely murdered guys. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> of course was, it, it was pretty horrible. <laughs> of course, it didn't help that I couldn't roll dice to, you know, actually save myself, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the uh, the dice mechanic in Relic Blade can, like, really swing. So, um, so you can have uh, a knight that's just tearing stuff up, and then we'll get an errant gore right in the eye get a pig tusk in the eye hole and it'll knock him out in one hit so you can like get really exciting swings on there but it's true the dark wanderer is like really reliably gonna hit hard and that's what i wanted for him so oh yeah no i mean it's it, it's been fun every time we've played yeah so tell us a little bit about a little bit more about um the the dark wanderer side of the faction so Obviously, we talked about the Lone Guard. We kind of have your fighter, your ranger, um, mm-hmm. Marvelous Mustache, and uh, the cat. However, you're you're adding more to the universe with the Dark Wanderer and the Dark Watcher. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the, the Bone and Darkness expansion, um, it has 10 new cards um, that have the Dark Wanderer character cards and the... Uh, his companion, well, they aren't companions, but his uh, allies, the Bone Stalkers, which are, um, they're cheap points-wise, so they're even cheaper than Pigmen, and they're super fast. So they they move really fast. They can leap through the air so that you can, uh, you know, jump and climb towers or jump over walls and really put threat anywhere on the board. Um, And then... There is a bone construct that can be uh, powered up and is really terrifying and powerful on the battlefield. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's not doing necromancy strictly. Uh, he's doing more like a, a bone mutation type magic where he uh, uses the life energy that's inside the bones and uh, mutates them and creates new spurs and new types of Stuff so kind of more like um, I don't know if you ever played Dead Space a little bit like the uh, Xenomorph 
uh, or necromorphs in that, I guess. Or right. uh, where yes, they kill their host, but at the same time, on a cellular level, they mutate them. Yeah, yeah. So it's different than different than your average skeleton type fantasy creature. It's more of a, a mutant. Um, and so, yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, and it's, it's really neat to have a completely, uh, a faction really built around him because, uh, before you were fielding him with pigs, which he still is happy to field with pigs. Um, and he really does well having pigs to harvest bones from. But, well, I was um, going to say, he's, he's got more material then. Yeah, exactly. But it's really neat to see on the table the like uh, sinister undead type faction take shape. So that's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, and you know the listeners know at this point that I really am a big fan of the creepy shit. So like yeah. when when I saw the stuff for Bone and Darkness and like these Bone mutants, that of course was the first thing I was drawn to. Like yes, of course, like the Lone Guard are cool. However, this is the stuff that I was like, oh, I need to have this. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, and I uh I'd been you know listening to all kinds of like like really grim electronic music while I was working on developing the faction and having a lot of fun like getting in the mood for <laughs> that spooky stuff and I ran the campaign right around Halloween so I think other people were also feeling spooky. So that was pretty fun. Nice, nice. So with this did you actually Looking on the Kickstarter, I know that you had like the big kind of like lava board. Did you actually build a whole new board for this one or have a new board built? Yeah, kind of. I um, I did. I built a more of a like winter ruins type board for it. Um, it is, it's a board that I use for like demos and stuff when I go to conventions. It's more mobile, easier to move around and, and modular. So I was able to use my like modular terrain on it and put together some neat stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like the terrain and terrain's really important for Relic Blade. Uh, so I think, I mean, I might need to go into it at some point in a like YouTube tutorial or something, maybe in the new book, talk about what types of terrain work really well for the game mechanics. Cause you know, um, with miniatures games, terrain's super important and if you don't know specifically what kind of terrain to use, it it might not work that well. So, like, I know a lot of players, when they switch from uh, playing or having played Warhammer and then start playing War Machine, if, they, if you use the same terrain set that you have built already for Warhammer, it doesn't work. Um, and it's just simply, like, forests need to be smaller, hills need to be smaller, like, uh, funny funny little things that are dictated by game mechanics. And um, I think in Relic Blade, because it doesn't say stuff like gain plus one armor if you're touching a hill or this type of tower makes your guys immune to battle shock or something like that, um, it's it's not as straightforward figuring out what kind of terrain is right for it. So I think um, I'll need to take some time to like really talk or, or show what kind of terrain is perfect for Relic Blade because the game like really lights up with the right terrain. Right. Well, and also being a two-by-two two board, and it's still supposed to have the feel of, like, two, you know, I, for lack of better terms, like D&D warbands kind of going Yeah, exactly. Like, you want a lot of terrain. 
Yeah, I it, mean, it should it should feel stacked and like very cool. Definitely, and uh, and you want it to be uh, pushing more toward like a narrative style encounter. I think like that's that's when I've had a lot of fun. Is like when you've got sort of more of a a narrative feel to why they're fighting or where they're fighting things like bridges and towers and, uh, and like defending behind doors. Like that stuff is really great in the game mechanics for relic blade. So that that's really fun. You can set that up. Like if you're just fighting in a forest, uh, trees don't really do that much. And uh, so your guys just run into each other and kill each other, which makes sense. I mean, I think if there were two war bands fighting in a forest, that's probably what they do. Uh, maybe one guy knows how to climb a tree, but most people aren't going to be climbing trees. Or at right. least know to hide, how to hide behind it to stop from getting ranged attacked to death. But, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you did just mention something else that's of interest, and you said when the new book comes out. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I guess we should back up a little bit. Uh, heck, I don't know how far we need to back up. This is all tangent shit. So I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to step back one and say Relic Blade is a fantasy skirmish miniatures game uh, with D&D party style mechanics where you've got a party of heroes and a warband of monsters and you battle. Uh, it usually lasts about a half hour and it's really fun and dynamic and you use like a pool of action dice and there's a ton of choice in how you activate your character. So it's really in depth and you feel like you're controlling your characters in a fun way. So uh, I ran a Kickstarter in like February of this year and made the first core of the game. And then I just ran a Kickstarter to come out with the first expansions and that's successfully funded on the 14th of this month. So just a week and a half ago or something. Um, and then I immediately got super sick and, and I'm just barely getting over it, um, which happens when you work toward a goal and then finally it's achieved and that's when your body gives up. Um, but so uh, through the Kickstarter, we got those first two expansions and then one of the first stretch goals was a guest artist expansion. And that's where I had um, contacted a guy named uh, Keegan Kaya McGee. He lives over in um, Pennsylvania, I believe. Yeah. And he does really, really fun outsider style, um, like lowbrow dungeon fantasy art. And so I, uh, I contacted him and hired him to do illustrations and then I sculpted models based on his illustration. So together we came up with what types of characters we wanted to do. And then uh, he did the illustrations and then I made the models from it. And so through the stretch goal, we were able to unlock that. And that introduces uh, two wacky characters. There's an eel sorcerer and a hammerhead shark knight um, or, or a shark warrior. And so he's a lot of fun. Um, they're both red miniatures, really wacky, uh, and not really what I, like, not just my, straight my aesthetic, and that was part of what I wanted to go for with the guest artist, just to really get some really unique art on the tabletop. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, with that, you definitely wanted to break the mold from what you've been doing. Yeah, and a big part of it is um, uh, 
I do the illustration. I do the game design. I do all the sculpture. I do all the marketing. I do all the packaging, everything for Relic Blade, right? Um, and that gives me so much creative freedom, just like an awesome amount of creative freedom. And so when I uh, set up my a game of Relic Blade and I look down and I see the pigmen that I love that style and uh, the Dark Wanderer is totally like straight up my alley, you know, just everything about it is is my style and my aesthetic and the game mechanics are all my style and my aesthetic and uh, and it's such a neat feeling to be able to get my stuff on the table. You know, if I were working for a bigger company, if Games Workshop, for example, called me and was like, Sean, you're, you're awesome and they like hired me to be one of their game designers or one of their illustrators or one of their sculptors, right? At no point in that process would they tell me I could just do whatever and make my own game. No, they would tell you it has to be this. We're we're telling you to work on Eldar. Yeah, and and I love it, of course, because, like, I I grew up on that stuff, but but it's different. And so I feel like, in, in a lot of ways what I'm making has no right to exist because it, no one told me I had permission to make it. I just made it. And, uh, and that was really awesome and freeing. And so in a way I just wanted other artists to be able to do that. And so when I saw Keegan's art on Instagram I was like, Oh dude, not only is this amazing, but I just can't imagine you know, Wizards of the Coast hiring him and asking him to do this wacky stuff and it ending up on a tabletop, you know? Like, it has no place in the, like, corporate world of fantasy board games. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm going to hire him and we're going to make some really wacky stuff. So so that was, like, the, the seed of wanting to do the guest artist stuff is, like, I love Keegan's style. It's really weird and it's not it's not allowed to be, you know, it like, and so <laughs> I'm in, I'm in the position where I have a game company that is willing to take weird choices and, and get stuff on the table. So, so now we're going to have some like really rad shark people on the tabletop that um, I think, yeah, wouldn't happen without the, the weird reality that we live in with, with crowdsourced um, publishing and all of that kind of like great stuff. That's really putting the uh, control in the hands of creators. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I dig it like that to me, anytime that you break from the, I guess, Tolkien esque mold, Mm. I like that a lot more because I, you know, yes, everybody loves Dungeons and Dragons. Everybody loves Lord of the Rings, but at this point, we've gone through how many iterations of dwarves and elves and you know halflings and or hobbits and yes. gnomes and everything else it's like we want to see something new we we want to we want to feel like fantasy is fantasy again mm-hmm. i guess is the best way for me to put it yeah and it's always a challenge cuz like obviously i want to have dwarves and elves and uh, i want to have all that stuff in there but but i always try to just you know, twist the knob up to 11 or really just like move it to a different degree to just offset it a little bit and make it uniquely mine. Or in this case, uniquely let Keegan do his thing. Cause he, I don't think he has any reservations about 
<laughs> making stuff the way other people want it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And, uh, and like, I mean, the bone in darkness is a good example. I knew of course that I wanted to do a horror faction or like a undead faction or whatever. Um, but it, I didn't do it right away because I didn't know what it should look like in Relic Blade. Um, and so when I finally got through the like design process and like the giving birth to the Dark Wanderer, um, I knew it was different and I knew I liked it, but I wasn't sure what the dark the stalkers would be or what they would look like. And so it, you got to like take time and let the ideas sort of. Uh, ferment in your brain and turn into something weird and new. Uh, Cause otherwise, I mean, it, I want to make standard skeleton warriors. I love that, but um, there are so many skeleton warrior miniatures that already exist. And right. it, it, I want to make that. Yeah. And I mean, I love it. I, heck I might do it still, but uh, I'm always going to try and, shifted one or two degrees into a real lady world. Oh yeah. All right. And so now up to, up to what we're talking <laughs> So we unlocked that stretch goal. We unlocked another stretch goal where I just, I sculpted a rad lizard man. Um, and then uh, the last stretch goal was the campaign book. And so that's going to yes. be really neat. Yeah. That's going to be really cool. But the, being a one-man production, I needed to pare down what I wanted or what I was going to make for Relic Blade in the first wave. And uh, I've always wanted or had in mind that I wanted to do a campaign rule set, you know, like linking games sort of more timey or whatever. Um, but uh, I couldn't do that in the first wave. And now I through this stretch goal, I'm going to be able to write that book and, and get the campaign rules in. And so uh, that's going to be really great. The, the new scenarios, like scenario-driven Relic Blade is off the hook. It's so rad. Um, you know, running around the table and, and like you just spread your guys out. You're making weird tactical choices. Like it's not about killing everyone on the enemy warband. You got to catch that guy that's going to escape with the treasure or th stop this guy from activating this portal. And it just makes it really fun and uh, engages your gamer brain in a great way. So that's a lot of fun. So the scenarios will be one thing. And then um, character advancement, you're going to have uh, resource management and try and uh, have your base managed. And it's going to be really great. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, of course, but uh, I'm really excited to be able to make that stuff. And it's going to light up Relic Blade in some really exciting ways. Awesome. And then you, you talked about the, uh, the Lizard Man character. Sinark uh, yeah. is getting yeah. a model finally. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I, um, I, I picked Sinvar because I, he, oh, so he's, that card was released in a booster pack expansion that was just characters. Um, and he is a lot of fun. And I really liked that assassin character. He is an evil champion, a lot of fun to play, but um, I felt like there wasn't really a good third party model to represent him. 
And so on a whim, I just sort of chose to, to sculpt him of any of the legends characters. Uh, and then I realized that I was sculpting a shark and eel and a lizard. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is a lot of animals, but it's, it's fun. I, uh, you know, I love animals. I, I'm not worried about that. But but the game isn't ultimately going to be a uh, Ninja Turtles fantasy game. It's, it's, <laughs> it's my fantasy, I swear. It's not just uh, anthropomorphized animals. It's also not furry porn. Yeah, no. Uh, it is uh, not furry porn. Uh, I've been to, I, I go to a lot of conventions for work and like nothing makes me more uncomfortable than furries. Sorry, furry people. I just don't. I don't know about it. And oh man, Tim, you have a buddy. Fuck off. <laughs> Everyone's entitled to what they like, but furries do make me uncomfortable. Tim actually likes furry hugs a lot. Shut oh, your yeah. face. Shut your face. <laughs> I'm not allowed back in anime Milwaukee. I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that episode, but uh, let's just say that one of my friends dared a furry to come up behind me and give me a hug. One suplex later, I was kicked out of a convention. Oh, boy. Uh, Did you really get kicked out for, like, punching a kid in a costume? No, Oh, no, no. I turned around and I I literally suplexed him. (laughs) Because I turned around, it was just like this giant, like, gray wolf head <laughs> dirty all, all, all i can think of right now is, is the song what does the fox say in this case is <coughs> can't breathe <laughs> i mean now, now keep in mind after the fact like i've stated before i'll state it again i did genuinely feel bad because if this guy or girl or whoever the hell it was I'm assuming it was a guy by the voice coming out of the head was not wearing a helmet that was on a concrete floor. Oh gosh! Yeah, that's rough. I, I, uh, I've never struck a furry, but well, it all started because my buddy Scott, Scott Serwinka. Yes, I'm going to call his ass out because he still knows that I hate it to this day. Decided that it would be that he was going to like tell this guy it would be hilarious if he comes up behind me and gives me a big old like bear hug. So one, I'm at a convention. I don't fucking know you. My wallet's in my backpack. Two, I'm kind of in the same thing where furries make me uncomfortable. Not that you can't live that lifestyle, have no problem with it, whatever you want to do. I just don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it, it's like uh, it's cosplay is not consent goes both ways. Like, like if someone's cosplaying, it doesn't mean that you can take a picture up their skirt, but it also means that they can't come and grab you. Right. Well, it kind of goes back to like a hypothetical I've given people because people ask me before, like, what is it that makes you uncomfortable about furries? So, fuck it. Here we go, folks. Here it goes. So, like, if I, I'm gonna, this is the easiest way for me to post this question to people. So, Sean, if you and your wife or girlfriend were walking down the street, right, and somebody would just walk over to you or your wife or girlfriend or whoever. Wait, is it my wife or my girlfriend? I'm confused. Pick one. Doesn't matter. Oh, okay. How about that? I'm going to let you decide. With whichever significant other you're with, or both, if that's your thing, whatever you want to do. But if, say, Nick were to just walk over to him 
and you didn't know who Nick was and just started dry humping one of their legs or your leg, would you beat their ass or send them to jail and or both? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's really, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're all, we're all on the same page with that. So if again, Nick, if you didn't know him, did that same thing, but was wearing a ski mask, would the outcome still be the same? Probably be more severe. Okay. More <laughs> severe. Great. So we've established that. Now, if he was doing that in a bunny suit, what makes that okay? It doesn't. Thank you. That's all I've ever said about the whole fucking thing ever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but we should talk about something uh, less horrifying. Yeah, I did. absolutely. But since we brought that tangent up, there it is. Fuck it, it's out there. So, yeah. But uh, so going back to Sinbar the Sneak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an animal person that wouldn't, you wouldn't want sneaking up behind you uh, <laughs> and humping your leg. <laughs> no, yeah, he, he would kill you first. Uh, yeah, so so I was able to make that that model and uh, and I sculpted it and it looks pretty rad. I don't know if you guys saw it. Oh, I dig it. I, I, I like the art behind it too because he's kind of got that like that dude bro like I'm calling you out look to him. Oh yeah, for sure, and. Uh, and so I was able to sculpt him, and then um, I added an alternate arm. So instead of a sword and a dagger, he has two daggers. And that'll add a different, like another lizard assassin uh, character class to the game. So it's going to be a lot of fun adding uh, more lizards, more uh, character options for the bad guys through that. Yeah. Now, so, I like the fact that he doesn't have a tail, like it's been cut off. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I actually was doing the engineering on that model today and I decided that I would add the tail. Um, I haven't talked to anyone about it cause I've just been in my studio making choices in, in a vacuum. So we can talk about it now, but I feel like if you want to clip off the tail cause it's cool, like you can do that real easy with a pair of clippers. Um, but adding a tail is more complex. So I was thinking about that, like, I like the idea of the tail missing, but if it's too weird for someone to see a lizard with its tail docked, then um, then I, I put the tail on. I don't know. What do you guys think? Because I liked the idea of the tail missing, but it was also kind of weird to have, like, this weird stump, like, sticking out the back of his loincloth. I say just make the tail to be able to, like, glue onto there. You know, so, yeah. like, leave, leave it flat. I'm sure it, at this point, most people who've worked with metal miniatures know that all you got to do is just score both sides of that metal miniature and use super glue. It will hold just fine. Yeah. And just make it an option. If people like have the tail detachable or have it on, you know, it's entirely up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, uh, the lizard assassin has an ability that makes it so that he can like ditch his tail. You know how like uh, when you try and catch a lizard, it can ditch its tail and it'll the tail will keep moving yeah. while it tries right. to get it. Yeah, I thought that was that would be a fun like animal uh, lizard monster ability because they're because he's different. He's not because there's a half dragon character already in the game, and so that's like an established race. And I wanted to make sure that it was different. You know, like the lizard men are 
different. They're not like, they're not a proud race of half dragon, uh, sentient half dragons. They're like this cruel, uh, lowly race of brutal. They're dicks. <laughs> yeah. And dangerous. And, uh, and, uh, Sinvar in particular is an escaped slave. I don't know where he was held as a slave, but that was um, one of his like character class or character information or some of his background. And so I think that's kind of neat. Like uh, the way, the way the societies within the world look at a half lizard versus a half dragon, you know, and like the implications of that, uh, that a half lizard would be lowly while a half dragon would be exalted. So I think it's kind of neat. Nice. And yeah, and it kind of sets up its own class system within the game and lots yeah. of the right cool stuff. Now, the one mm. that I'm kind of mad about that you missed by, like, just a hair was the Ogre Gladiator. I saw the artwork on this, and, I, like, I loved it. I uh, know. I'm sorry. It it would have been really – the reason that I put that – chose that character is because he is kind of a fan favorite. But I want to build – I want several Ogres when I release the Ogres, like – uh, so I can definitely see, like, I'm, I'm not, uh, it's not final because I, I'm pretty open and flexible in my workflow, but I want to do a whole faction for them, you know, have a, a booster pack with all of the ogre upgrades and a couple of classes of, um, I think that's coming, coming up soon, or, or at least once I'm done with this hump, that'd be the next group I really want to explore. Because I really like the ogres, um, weird um, remnant of the ancient world that have continued. Um, so, so yeah, it's a bummer that we didn't unlock it, but you were so it's, close. It's not know. hopeless. So yeah. I won't. I won't on the third Kickstarter have it as a uh, uh, just out of reach stretch goal, taunting you guys over and over. <laughs> 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 just keep moving it a little bit. Oh, wait, no, it's, you know, it, just always have it in the shadow of the stretch goal. You know, there's the outline of the ogre. <laughs> yeah, it always, always just an outline with a question mark. Like, will you unlock it? And then I can change the stretch goal to be more and more if we get close to unlocking it. Like, oh, did I say we're going to unlock this at 12? I meant 13. No, I mean 14,000. <laughs> ah, just shucks. And then it's like, oh, look at that. All of my backers are backing out. <laughs> I yeah, really, right. I guess yeah. they really wanted that over. Oh, man, that was – it was so awesome. I, um, I, I didn't know what to expect going into a second Kickstarter because um, there's a couple of ways you, you can think. One way to think about it is that more people have heard about Relic Blade the second time around, so more people might back it. But the other thing is part of the romance of Kickstarter is making something new. And so if you're going and saying, I want to make more, like that's a different ask than I want to make new. So, um, so I was quite nervous going into the second Kickstarter. Like um, I, my goal was lower because I was planning on making less miniatures. And, you know, going in, I had quite a bit of uh, uh, apprehension about it. And my wife encouraged me. She's like, if you're going to have to spend the money to make the models, 
um, you should just go up on Kickstarter because otherwise, like, that might be the end of Metal King Studio. You might just spend all of the rest of your money and then maybe people won't buy it when it comes out. So see if people want it. So I went on Kickstarter and, like, I launched it and, like, within eight hours we had funded and that was really, really awesome. You know, I'm not... I'm not making the Conan board game. I'm not making the Dark Souls board game or something like that. I'm making something totally independent and it's just me and I don't have like a big uh, company name behind me. And the fact that my fans showed up within the first couple of minutes and within a couple of hours we had met our goal, it was just like really, really inspiring, really exciting. So, uh, I mean, if any of you guys are listening, thank you so much. <laughs> well, as one of the backers, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. It's so it's so cool because I uh, I just feel like I'm working really hard to make something rad, and uh, and the fact that rather than needing to go to a publisher, I can go straight to the source and do crowd publishing this way. It's it's so neat, like. I don't need I don't need a big company to tell me that it's profitable because I have enough people that are interested in it that we can make it and we can you know we can like keep this going and really the way I built Relic Blade like it everything gets better the more characters and more upgrades you add like being able to go back and put the new upgrades on old characters is so cool and it really gives me a chance to like really like um, totally create a way deeper play experience as you add those new upgrades. So now, you know, talking about, you know, characters and all that, there is one character I'm, I'm kind of sad we didn't see come up. Uh-huh. And that's a gnome with a horseshoe dent in his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. Woggy Wogglebuck. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see, again? we'll see. I mean, yeah, so Woggy, it's... um. So during the first Kickstarter, I had a pledge level where people could um, send in one of their D&D characters or an idea they had for a character. And that's where Simvar came from. Um, and so I, was, I released those characters in an expansion, a boost, the booster pack, the Legends booster pack. And, uh, and Wagi was one of them and is a guy that goes by while on, um, on forums. And he uh, submitted his character, and he'd never been able to play D&D before or other, like, really likes tabletop games but hasn't had a chance to be part of that community. So he in- introduced one of his characters that he had played through a popular online game. And so um, it, was, it was a lot of fun to introduce, like, a weird gnome uh, knight blacksmith character through that. And so that's who Wagi is. And he... Um, he has a, a more of a deep background because he's from a, a, a RP server. And one of the specific details is that uh, while shoeing a horse, he got kicked in the head really hard. So he's got like a horseshoe shaped dent in his skull. Yes. I, I, I was I feel bad, but I'm thinking of Glenn. After post Negan from Walking Dead, <laughs> Maggie, I'll find you. 
<laughs> and I'm going to hell. But the point of it is, is that that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. It was great working from other people's characters because, um, yeah, just, like, getting those prompts from uh, other people's imaginations is a really fun way to, like, riff on the fantasy themes and make some new cool characters. So, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I forget why. I think it was just the uh, the workload of trying to make sure that I'd be able to finish everything for the Kickstarter, but I didn't do that this time around. Um, I'm, but I think it'd be really fun to do again. I'd like to have another Legends expansion available. And I know there are a few people that are like ready to back at that level to buy character art and, and uh, character design. So maybe the next Kickstarter I'll offer that. Just got to figure out the workload. You know, I don't want people to have to wait a year for their stuff. And so you got to figure out like what you can get done in what amount of time and, and get it printed and produced in time. So, so it's a balance. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, that is the tough part about being like a, a lone guy, you know, in your case, like metal King studios is one person. You don't have like a team of even like three or four. It is all you. Yeah. to get this shit done like people don't understand you have your day job you've got commission work you got to do mm-hmm. um you know i can only imagine that at this point you are spending a bit of time away from your family in order to get this stuff done like yeah you, your work weeks are probably like 60 70 80 hours easy yeah you know, time you can find it especially as deadlines get closer like um one of the freelance jobs i was working on uh, which I don't know. I probably shouldn't go into too many specifics about who it's for or what, whatnot. But um, yeah, you don't have to do that if it's going to get you in trouble. It. Uh, but but I I had a revision cycle come in that I wasn't expecting because there was like miscommunication and there was like licensing stuff and trying to figure out exactly what needed to be sculpted, and uh, so I ended up getting like a week where I was doing work that I thought was already done during a week that I was hoping to be working on Relic Blade Kickstarter stuff. So it's like, well, whatever, like I've gotta I've gotta finish the paid work before I dive into the passion stuff. But uh you never know when stuff like that's gonna happen. Especially with freelance and it's fun though. I love it. Yeah, it, it it's definitely it's a balance. You know, I can yeah. tell you that just from working on my own stuff. And again, this is all about your episode, but it, I, I know that just from working on different stuff that, you know, there, there is a balance behind that. And the fact that you're, you're a one man studio again, is it's impressive. Like not, not for nothing. A lot of people I know when they look at a miniatures company, they, they're like, Oh, well, he doesn't have a lot out there. Well, when you're one guy, what do you expect? Yeah. And at the same time, let's see, you've put out two factions, a box. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. like, uh, if you look at it, that I ran two Kickstarters this year and launched the core product, like a, a two-player box set, no less. Like, a lot, of, a lot of games don't get that, like, introductory box set for years going in. But I know that's my favorite way to get into a game, so I really prioritized it. 
But, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been able to make some cool stuff, and hopefully, my like hard work continues to yield pretty good release text, uh, or a pretty good schedule. Like, I don't want people to totally move on before I can come out with one new model. Right, and actually, you know, I I would say that your schedule is pretty good right now. Maybe yeah, even a little cool. fast. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, uh, I mean, there are plenty of people that haven't had a chance to paint their models. Like, uh, I have a Kickstarter set of miniatures behind me that I haven't had a chance to, like, assemble or paint or read the rule book. Uh, that, and that got to me right around the same time as uh, my Kickstarter fulfilled. So, you know, I'm whatever. Like, I've, I've got to make stuff and... Uh, so if people are ready to consume it, I'm going to keep making it. Hell yeah. And as we all know, I'm generally down with consuming Kickstarters. So. Yeah, I think it's a problem. <laughs> it's pretty fun. I don't know. Like, like Sean doesn't I doesn't think I have a problem. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> hey, hey, now. <laughs> Damn <curiosity> it. <laughs> I, he did. He was just like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I would back so many Kickstarters. Like, man, like you guys talked to that, the guys making that Moonstone game. Like that really like broke my heart. Those models are so sweet. And I just don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. But to be fair, Moonstone funded. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. All, all I meant was it broke my heart that I don't have all of the models coming to well, me you know. because I don't have any money. One step at a time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someday, though, I, like, I mean, starting a business is, is never, like, launch right away and all of a sudden everything's going great. But things are going great for Metal King Studio. So I don't mean to um, make it sound like I don't have any money. All I'm saying is I can't back every Kickstarter I want to back, which would be sweet. And it sounds like um, people make fun of you if you do back every Kickstarter you want to back. <laughs> I don't even back every Kickstarter I want to. Uh, Shoot. Well, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> 42. 42. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. So we talked about your guest artist. We talked about epic mustaches. Mm-hmm. Talked about the fact we didn't get our fucking ogre. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. he's going to come and wreck the tabletop in time. <laughs> One wrecking ball at a time. You know, yeah. me, um. But yeah, I think I'd like I think I'd like to go into uh wizards and ogres next. Uh, I think wizards would add an interesting dynamic to the game. Yeah, the uh the eel sorcerer is a wizard or has the wizard keyword and the uh shark knight has the knight keyword. So the knight has all of his uh, tactics from the core set that he'll be able to take. So he'll be able to be like a reposting badass um, or, or make him a sword master and have him go and tear stuff up. But, um, but the eel sorcerer is going to have some really neat um, 
wizard abilities straight on his card. But then once the wizard uh, upgrades come out, then you'll be able to add different, more general spells to his uh, loadout. That'll be a lot of fun too. So I'm, I think that's probably the direction I'm going to go next. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. Like I was planning on going straight into the ogres and wizards this time, but then I ended up making the Dark Wanderers faction, and and I love it. So something <laughs> else might catch my fancy. I might go back and add more pig units. Um, I might go back and or move move into something completely different. You know, ocean monsters. We well, could it would be kind of cool to see. <laughs> what? You could make pig ogres and call them boars. Oh yeah, I could. But I'm not going to. I'm going to make those like weird goiter ogre, scrawny ogre creatures. So if it's going to be wizards versus ogres, are you going to make an ogre mage? So, yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, should I answer that? Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, you would answer that, and you did. You did it the right way. Yeah. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, Dead yeah, thing and, and answer then, it like, why wouldn't I? Yeah, of course. Know, he's like, is that, that's a stupid question. Why the fuck would you ask that? But, you know, I had to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would love to see the uh, pig faction get expanded a little bit. Yeah. You know, get, get some sort of, uh, you know, overall, you know, kind of character, you know, a, a pig chieftain or war leader or something like that. Yeah, we've been talking about that, what exactly we'd want to do. And we can talk about it, you and I. Um, I I'm thinking about adding a, like, warlord-style chieftain, like, fighter hero, right? Um, some kind of pig lord that has some kind of sweet battle axe, a magic battle axe or something. Um, and I, so I was thinking about having a loadout where you can build him as a named character and then also, a, like, a general... Uh, unnamed character. Um, but then we were talking also about what we'd want to do if, uh, and by we, I mean, uh, my friend Niall and I do a lot of playtesting together for this game and development. He did the editing on the rulebook, and I recently took a trip up to visit him up north in the northernmost regions of California, and uh, we took like three days to like just play Relic Blade. And nice. um, and so uh, we did, like, a lot of the campaign rules testing and then also talking about what we'd like to see for the game. So the for the pigs, though, we were talking about that, and I had the idea I wanted to make a, like, gross pig lord with maybe some light magic ability based on a magic item. And then we were talking about what kind of spellcaster, like, would we want it to be more shamanistic or more of an alchemist or like what, what fits the pig setting? Cause I don't want to, there are only so many pig, uh, like actual, like genuine, like pig men miniatures out there. And uh, in hordes, there are, there's a whole faction of pig men. And so that to me is like, that's the area I, I'm going to avoid like this, the things that they came up with are really wonderful, characterful pig things. And that's sort of like the, the red line where I don't really want to cross. And so like a, a butcher or a 
uh, the bone grinders or like that kind of stuff. I, I love it. Um, but I shouldn't make that because it's really the only thing that's like strictly pigmen out there. So I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to develop the pigs. Um, but I do know I want to, but like what kind of stuff would you want to see? You, you, you've played the pigs a bunch of times. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, you know, the, the pigs are good in a group, but it would, it would almost be neat to see something that, you know, really tied them together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause like right now they're all, they're all henchmen level guys. So, right. So it'd be nice to find out who's in charge in a pig society or. Um, yeah. So that that was kind of my thought is because out of the times that I've played it, I've always been the bad guys. Mm. So like for me, the pigs have always turned into like, I'm going to fling these guys forward just to do, like hopefully distract the party enough to where they don't grab the treasure or they don't grab the relic. And then I let my dark wanderer and dark watcher do the rest of the work. Mm. Like, so for me, I think like seeing like a big pig, that like kind of lords over them almost like, you know, the quote unquote hogzilla. If you remember like pictures of seeing that thing hunted down. Um, yeah. Something that's a, a lot more scary to where it's like, okay, these pigs are, they're annoying. They, they get in your way. However, like this one's no joke and he makes them more terrifying or more yeah. vicious, I think would be like a cool aspect. Because yeah. I almost felt like, in, you know, this this is nothing against design, but I almost felt like if I wanted to hold my own against the adventurers, I needed to take at least one of the Dark Wanderer or the Dark Watcher in order to make it feel like I could win. I yeah. guess if you want to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, um, I think if, like a lot of people have had different experiences with that. And so I'm not ready to say... Uh, that altogether the pigs don't win because I've had a lot of people say it's impossible for the heroes to win also. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I hear you. And I think it'd be, it'd be fun to be able to have more characters that, uh, that will add like really specific, powerful skills to the table for the pigs that will be pigs because, um, it would, it would just be really fun to be able to play like solidly pigs and have a lot more going on than just the like different weapon loadouts, especially right. with the campaign rules where you're going to feel like you have different characters learning different trade skills and leveling up with different tactics and abilities. Um, you'll, you'll want a pig that feels like an individual. And so I think that that'll be a really good place to go with it is to have a, uh, some kind of magic user or hybrid class or even just like two-handed axe or two axes, you know, two-hand weapons type of berserker or some kind of something. A big wild pig instead of the... uh, Because right now they're like, they're half pig, half boar, but to have something that's like really like a feral monster of a pig would be pretty cool. Yeah, It, it definitely would. And on the hero side, mm-hmm. I would kind of like to see some some more henchman type. You've got the villain coming out, yeah. and you know we've already talked about his epic mustache. So 
it would almost feel odd to try and, you know, put more than one epic mustache on the table. Yeah, I hear you. He's He's got enough character going for him that it, it would seem like they were two of the same guys standing there. Yeah, I, I really like, like, uh, the companion rules are a ton of fun. I, I realize that you probably haven't played with them since they aren't out yet. But, um, <laughs> right. but it's really neat because you, you, if you attach a billman to a knight, for instance, then uh, if the knight activates within five inches of his companion, then they can activate together. And so you can split the activation up and you get to control them both and use all of their dice to do stuff before the enemy gets to activate again. And so I that means that. It have, you could have the billmen run up and hook a guy's shield out of the way and make them shed one of their dodge tokens, then have the knight charge up, hit him with a focused vicious strike and knock him out, and then have the billmen stab him and get him off the table. So you can have them do a lot of different stuff all in the same activation and in like a flurry of heroic activity uh, or coordinated activity. But, uh, but the problem is then you activate two of your models at the same time, which means that if the pigs are outnumbering you already and you just activated two of your four heroes, then you're going to have quite a few enemy activations in a row that you're going to have to weather that storm. So it, it like, it's a give and take, but you get a lot of fun uh, activity of how you, or, or, uh, a lot of tactical choice, I guess, as you choose how you're going to use them. And I really, I'm, I really love the companion rules. I've, I've been looking forward to using them or adding them to the game since before I released the core set. So uh, it's a lot of fun. But you could definitely add different types of companions, and um, and the bad guys are going to get some companion type models as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I don't want I don't want everything to be uh, balanced in that every time the heroes get an archer, the bad guys get an archer, and every time the heroes get a monster, the bad guys get a big monster. Uh, I want the heroes to always sort of feel more like they need to use their special abilities to deal with the more numbers and more monsters on the enemy side. Uh, like, I want you to feel like you have to do a tank DPS healer and party mechanics to try and survive, like a D&D party against a deadly encounter. So um, so i got to be careful how I, how I approach as I grow the game. But... Um, but the heroes are probably always going to feel like they're going to need... They're individually stronger than any bad guy, but uh, they're always going to be outnumbered, I think, if, if I stick to that uh, design philosophy. Right. Uh, which, which is definitely awesome. You know, I, I do like that, you know, it's different, you know, that the, the two different sides are are unique in their own ways and, and how they go. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely a awesome feature. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. The, the asymmetry is nice. And, uh, and then also the play style differences, trying to make sure the play styles are unique. So. Definitely. But I'm, I mean, you know, I've got, 
I've got a ton of ideas and how I want to grow the game. And so it's always just a matter of that it takes time to make it, you know, (laughs) effort and time and money to make it. So uh, in time, the game's going to grow, keep growing and be better and better. And so if people are having fun already, then that's a really good sign. It is. Um, And, you know, there's, there's definitely in the, in the Facebook group, there's tons of people always posting what they're working on that, you know, hell that they found the game and just, you know, how excited they are and, and what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's definitely invigorating. You know, it's, it's definitely, Hey, I want, I want to do this. I want to, you know, and yeah, hell, you know, one one of the most in, or, you know, one of the craziest things was the in-depth discussion not not just you know once or twice, but it's been multiple times on how people are painting their pigs and the colors they're using, and yeah. and even the fact that they're like, but you can add different colors and you can make different pig, you know, different color spectrums of pigs. You don't just have to go for one. Um, you know, it's yeah. There have been some really cool uh, pig schemes. Uh, I've been really excited about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as the as the creator, like it always makes my day when I see someone's painted model get posted up. It's always like really exciting. So, just got to get more people playing, more people on board. Uh, figure out how to get some good like incentivizing groups to play it, and I think that the campaign rules are really going to help help with that. Awesome. And then, of course, like, I mean, if you want to play with more than two people, then you need more than two factions. So, again, like, this last Kickstarter is really going to help with that. So uh, it's it's on the right path, I think. I hope. That's the idea. I hope so as well. All right. So um, it's, uh, it's sadly about time to start wrapping up. Um, so... I know, you know we're a day before before Thanksgiving. We're the evening before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, A, have a happy Thanksgiving. But do you have uh, any any Thanksgiving sales or Black Friday sales or any holiday sales planned? I've been toying with the idea of offering free shipping, uh, which I know isn't like a huge discount or anything, but... Um, I'm just now with the Kickstarter trying to figure out how to offer a deal without having my backers feel like they're missing out on something. So I don't know. I might just forego uh, a big Black Friday deal and just try to uh, serve my people first because my backers are really my highest priority. Like they believed in it first. And so I'm going to really do everything I can to work for them. Definitely makes sense. But yeah, I mean, keep an eye on Facebook if maybe I'll come around to it, but I'll probably just be busy eating turkey and staying away from the computer. (laughs) I don't blame you. All right, so let's let the folks know where they can find you. Okay, so relicblade.com is the website. Uh, There's the Facebook group, so if you're playing Relic Blade or want to learn about Relic Blade or ask questions about Relic Blade or just painted your first night, um, 
go ahead and join the Facebook group on there, and that's Relic Blade Official Battle Friends. And then uh, there's the Facebook page for Metal King Studio, and that's where I post all of the new like work in progress stuff. And uh, and then my most active social media is on Instagram. Uh, I'm a visual artist, and so that's my home. And so you can see all kinds of fun, like behind the scenes stuff, you know, sketches, uh, work in progress sculpts, uh, little videos and turnarounds of the models and stuff. And that's at Sean underscore Sutter underscore art. So Sean Sutter art is where I highly recommend if you're interested in seeing the art, check me out there. Awesome. All right. So thank you, Sean, for showing up. Um, Glad you aren't sick anymore. I know that you've uh, had a hell of a time the last couple of weeks. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. We were, uh, for the listeners, we were supposed to record this, like, I don't know, a week ago at least. Uh, (laughs) I was, like, in a coma on my couch when I got a text message that was like, hey, are you ready to talk? And I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) I can't even stand up. (laughs) Like, uh, Anyways, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly healthy now. So, hey, yeah, it it is the season, and like you said, you know, a lot of hours, you know, working on uh, projects, and it'll it'll catch up to you eventually. So, yeah, yeah, Glad I you. can expect it. Like uh, when going through college, I'd always get sick on finals week. Like it didn't matter. Finals week was it's like the word finals made my body shut off. <laughs> <laughs> It makes my body shut down. Yeah, no kidding. All right, great. Well, well, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, I'm sure we'll be able to talk again as I make more fun stuff. Definitely. Look forward to it. Cool. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy, We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.